This is a Federal News Network podcast. House Democrats appear to pass a $3 trillion stimulus bill, a second $3 trillion stimulus bill. It spreads money pretty much everywhere. But it also has provisions dealing with the federal workforce and with federal contractors. For some of the prospects, WTOP congressional correspondent Mitchell Miller. And Mitchell, where do we begin on this bill? There's money for every agency, but also a lot of non-money provisions. And tell us more. Right. So it only spans some 1,800 pages, but let's try to dive in on a few of the things that really affect federal workers. It does require agencies to keep allowing telework for eligible employees as well as contractors during the pandemic. It also urges agencies to expand telework and requires goals to increase the numbers of those who telework. Any agency that would limit telework would need to give advance notice to OPM and Congress. So clearly still more of a focus as we've been talking about over the last several weeks and months on that emphasis on getting people to work from home. Now, also, one of the biggest parts of it related to federal workers involves the $200 billion HEROES Fund. It covers federal employees as well, of of course, as people in the private sector. Essential workers would get an additional $13 an hour in addition to their regular wages. That would go up to $10,000. And then for really high earners, it would only go to another $5,000. Also, if an essential worker dies of COVID-19, the work Worker's family would receive the remainder of the pay. Federal law enforcement officers would be able to keep retirement benefits if they get the virus and can't meet the physical demands of their jobs. And OPM makes the final decision, of course, on which federal workers qualify for hazard pay. Teleworkers would not be eligible. Congress is appropriating an extra $10 billion to help cover the costs of premium payments for federal employees. I guess it's fair to say that even though the $3 trillion in spending is not a bipartisan issue, when it comes to telework, pretty much that has had support from both sides of the aisle, even though the Trump administration has really, frankly, tried to tamp down as much as it can on federal telework. Right. That's one of the issues that really both parties have shared. Uh, You know, we've talked about Virginia Congressman Jerry Connolly on the Democratic side has really pushed hard to make sure that all these agencies are sustaining telework. And on the Republican side, too, lawmakers are saying, look, we've got to have people working from home. We really have no other choice. So this is one of those areas where you have had bipartisan support, sort of like the uh, Paycheck Protection Program within the Small Business Administration. Both parties agreeing to, you know, varying degrees they're going to have have some differences on certain issues related to it, but they both say that this has to be done. These are things that need to be assisting small businesses, for example. They need to be, have some kind of lifeline as we move through this period of reopening and whether or not they're even able to sustain themselves after we come out on the other end of the pandemic. We're speaking with congressional correspondent Mitchell Miller of WTOP. Now, the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has said this ain't going to go anywhere, but could they possibly be break it down into things where they do agree and get those passed. For example, I don't think the Republicans would go for the $500 billion in aid to local and state governments, but they could go for maybe some of the appropriations to help agencies with initiatives and some of these, as you say, workforce provisions. Right. The Democrats are basically throwing this out as a massive bargaining chip. Even House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has indicated that this is really the start of negotiations. They want to put this down as a marker and say to the American people, "Okay, this is what we as Democrats want to do. Republicans obviously have a lot of their own ideas. McConnell has made it clear he wants to make sure that there's protection for businesses so that they don't get sued and have a lot of liability issues as we go through the pandemic. But also 
Republicans have a lot of different proposals related to, as you mentioned, helping agencies, making sure that all of these federal agencies stay on track as we work through the reopening process. And by the way, related to the reopening process, the federal government is basically taking a go-slow approach here in the Washington area as you have Maryland and Virginia counties and uh, many of the suburban areas moving slowly along with the statewide efforts in Maryland and Virginia. Also, of course, D.C., the mayor has extended a stay-at-home order until June 8th. So federal agencies are being urged to maximize that telework through this so-called gating period as we move through phase one of the reopening. In addition to continuing extensive telework, flexible work schedules have to be continued to be used. Many federal organizations are utilizing federal work schedules and teams so they can be there can be social distancing in their offices. For example, I spoke to a committee staffer here on the Hill who alternates with another team member each week, so they've been able to get work done here at the Capitol, but also work from home. And then many staff members from Congress, of course, continue to work for home. And as for getting ready to get people back into the office in these federal agencies, kind of the nitty gritty there, the GSA's public building service, as Federal News Network has reported, has been disinfecting sites where federal workers have tested positive for COVID-19, getting some of those offices ready for eventual return of employees. So with the differences between the counties and the district, you could see crowds maybe on the metro at White Flint and New Carrollton, but not at L'Enfant Plaza. Right, exactly. And then, of course, Metro itself is moving back very slowly. Uh, Metro has announced that it really is not going to get back into, quote unquote, normal operations until next year. And so, of course, with so many federal workers using those stations, as you mentioned, that's going to have to figure into how they're going to decide to move forward at the uh, highest levels of these federal agencies, because obviously if people can't get to work, they can't get physically in their offices. And finally, what about the possibility of the technology allowing Congress to work more remotely as a matter of course? That's been controversial, too. That's a really interesting issue. I mean, this really goes to the fundamental issue of what a Congress is, right? Opponents of remote voting, many of them Republicans, say they should be doing the people's business here at the Capitol, that there is really no choice, that that is what a Congress is. You come here to Washington to represent hundreds of thousands. Generally, the average is about 750,000 people per district for all of these members of Congress. And what they are saying is you're making a fundamental, and some, some argue a constitutional change that shouldn't be made. On the other side, many Democrats and some Republicans say that you need to have some kind of reaction to what has happened with this pandemic. So this remote voting measure that the House has passed basically says that you can have proxy voting. So you can have up to 10 members that you can vote for remotely from wherever you are. There are also big changes coming related to how the committees do oversight, and that also led to a lot of back and forth between lawmakers. Both Republicans and Democrats, they switch sides on this. Uh, A lot of them, uh, respectively, both agree that something has to be done. So you're going to see a lot more of these remote committee meetings. We saw some of them in the past week where many of the members were joining from literally across the 
the country. And they seem to have actually pretty quickly adapted to this, just as many businesses and people working from home have. And so the the real issues are going to be the the tough ones on some of those highly secure committees, you know, the, the intelligence committees, the armed services committees. How do they lock down the information that's going out? And then some more practical issues, as some pointed out, the chairman, sometimes it's hard enough to control a committee, as you know, just within a hearing room. Imagine when you have 12, 20, 30, 40 members all logging in from various remote sites and you're trying to balance the time of each of the members. So a lot of issues to be worked out, but certainly a historic change here at the Capitol. I guess if people can do Zoom cocktail meetings, then right. people can have Zoom uh, remote committee hearings. Mitchell Miller, a senior congressional correspondent for WTOP. As always, thanks so much. You bet. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.